Worldview Update, bringing you closer to international or global news. 20 minutes after six, good morning in the UK. The country's monarch, King Charles, has given the first speech by a king in the British Parliament, setting out the governing party's agenda for over 70 years. Setting out the plans for the governing Conservative Party, he said his government wants to give more powers to police officers to enter homes without search warrants in some cases and to grant more licenses for companies to drill for oil and gas. But there were also protests by anti-monarchy protesters as he was about to begin his his speech. Musum Dunge is a political analyst based at the University of Dundee in the UK. Musa, good morning. And I know it's just gone 21 minutes after four in the UK. So thank you for waking up for us. Thank you so much, Stephen, for having me and good morning to your listeners. So this is a bit like our state of the nation, but instead of the president or in their case, a prime minister reading the speech, the king reads the speech. The conservatives are under a huge amount of pressure. There's an election there soon. What does the speech tell us about their strategy to stay in power? Indeed, Stephen. So indeed, you know, when we look at the king's speech, we know it's called the king's speech. Used to be known as the Queen's Speech because we had a you know the female monarch for the past 20, 70 years in Queen Elizabeth, and basically this speech sets out the government's agenda. It locates the country where it is currently in the same way that our state of the nation does in South Africa, but then it also goes on to set the agenda for the next year. And we know that you know the the the, the UK is going to general elections next year, and you know the Conservative Party have an uphill battle to kind of turn the picture around. They've been in power for 13 years. They've had pr- five prime ministers, you know, uh, three last year, only in 2022. And so this is a party that really has so many questions to answer in terms of the cost of living and as well as the issues around security and immigration. And so far what we see from Rishi Sunak is he is trying to position the Conservative Party as the party that is strongest when it comes to issues around immigration, security, foreign policy, crime. And and so this speech was very much set to do that, to try and endow confidence upon the Conservative Party on issues such as immigration. And we know clearly over the past 10 years or so, they've clearly failed to meet any of their targets. And there's been a rise in, in issues such as immigration, but also a rise in issues such as crime. And so this bill being proposed by the Conservative Party to increase house searches um, is a very controversial one, given policies such as stop and search, which were used in London and in mostly black and minority areas. And so it's a very controversial move from the Conservative Party, but it's a position that I think Rishi Sunak was nonetheless quite forced to be in, given his position, even within his own party. There are huge problems in the UK around the cost of living as well. What impact does that have? That in the UK is a huge political issue. Oh, yes, that is perhaps, if not the biggest issue um, that the UK is facing, you know, the rising gas prices, rising electricity prices, you know, water prices, as well as, you know, just the rising cost of living. Food has gone up, you know. I don't even, I, I'm even scared to tell you the price of bread currently if I convert it to rand, you know, and this is a challenge for the United Kingdom. And why? Because it sits at the heart of the structure of the economy. Remember, Brexit remains still very much a very contested issue, especially for what it has done to the British economy post-Brexit. And, you know, the United Kingdom is expected to be the lowest growing economy next year among the G7 and is having a challenge of high levels of inflation. And so from the government's 
perspective, bringing out down the cost of living is going to be a huge challenge because that speaks to the structure of the economy. And there are no easy answers for that. And there are no quick solutions. And often the solutions take years to show up. And unfortunately, this is a conservative party that is out of time and needs to see results in the earliest in order to turn around the, con- the conditions. As we see under the polls, the Labour Party is expected to win this by big. Um, in South Africa, we see obviously huge conversations around the situation in Gaza and the Middle East. And there's a very different um, uh, view. I'd say understanding, but maybe view is better in the UK. Uh, we've seen protests there also by people who are pro-Palestinian marches. But the government there is very much pro-Israel. What conversations are you seeing in the UK about all of this? Well, look, I mean, the UK, like we see even in the United States, certainly this question about Hamas and and the Israeli conflict is one that is really, um, you know, raising the ire in terms of foreign policy and how how Western countries have traditionally seen their role and their position in terms of Israel. And certainly given what we see happening in, in Gaza today, the moral question, of Israel's um, so, so-called retaliation um, has been one that has put a, quite a huge amount of pressure on the United Kingdom government, as we see even across the pond, with even Rishi Sunak um, really calling for, for, for more to be done to bring this war at least to a pause in order for there to be humanitarian relief. But we certainly see that there's a shifting in, in, in public opinion, especially when we look according to that young, old divide. There is a generational shift, and that generational shift, it will be interesting to see whether it has any, uh, you know, sort of consequences for next year's election, particularly when we look at the Labour Party whose position on this issue has been challenged, and there are many voters who are looking at the Labour Party and saying, well, you know, you don't have the right, you don't have the right moral answer to this particular question. And so can we really trust you in terms of foreign policy? In the realm that we've traditionally trusted the Conservatives, can we trust the Labour Party? And so it will be interesting to see if this foreign policy matter issue features highly in next year's elections. Mosram Dungat, thank you very much. Indeed, political analyst based at the University of Dundee in the UK.